0: Well, good morning and happy new year, everybody. Happy frozen new year. Let me specify that. We've had such a warm December, I forgot what it was like to feel cold. But I actually got real excited to get outside and get nice and cool until I got outside and got really nice and cool. And then I realized it hadn't been so bad. So we are in 2022. First Sunday of a new year. We get to look forward to all the things, all the wonderful things the new year brings us. How many of you guys have already made New Year's resolutions? No? Yeah? Not a New Year's resolution crowd. Wow, okay, okay. We'll just do the same thing we did last year. It's good with me. Okay. Now, um, this year I thought what we would do in starting off our, our first sermon series of the year, kind of a short one, I don't imagine we'll stay here too long, but then again we never know. I stayed in the last one about 12 weeks longer than I ever intended, so we'll see what happens. But the Sunday after we celebrated Christmas, we looked, at the, uh, we looked at Joseph. You know, Scripture didn't tell us a whole lot about Joseph as a man, but we did look and see that in a few verses, Joseph was a very faithful man. We, we were encouraged by his faith, his response to God. It seemed whenever God brought him impossible things, Joseph just got up and did exactly what, what God said. Joseph sent a message to him saying, hey, Mary's pregnant. The child is the Messiah. She's telling the truth. Joseph said, I'm going to keep her. He said, get out get out of Bethlehem. Go to Egypt. Joseph got up, took the family by night, and got out of town. I mean, just an incredible faith in, in Joseph. And, I, and I, was, I got through reading those verses, and I'm sitting there thinking, man, I want to be like Joseph. I was encouraged by his response to God. He believed every time God sent him a message, he believed and then oriented his entire life around God's word. And so today I thought I wanted to look at a few other people in Scripture and let us be encouraged by them as well. And in fact, the Bible in the book of Hebrews actually goes through an entire section where it records person after person after person after person after person whose great faith we can look at and see how God used in their life. And so for the next couple of weeks, that's where I'd like us to spend some time looking at Hebrews chapter 11. This is commonly referred to as the Hall of Faith. Instead of the Hall of Fame, we call it the Hall of Faith. We'll look in this chapter, we'll see people all the way from, you know, early uh, Genesis all the way through to, getting in trying to get into the new testament we'll look at some of the great patriarchs we'll end up looking at abraham we'll we'll hear about uh we'll hear about david we're going to look at all these different people in this one little chapter it's kind of a nice summary and i like how the author when he begins this he she whoever wrote it in fact we don't know but whoever the author was when they began this passage they said we know it's, it's an interesting thing as we get into this. starts including we know, and then goes into this list of great and faithful people. So today we're going to be in this, and I want us to consider this entire passage. We're going to start with 1 through 7 and then move on. Uh, but today we're only going to focus on 1 through 7. And we're going to start out with a very short definition of faith. And it's not a full definition. Let, let me say this. As we look at this, what faith is, it's a very true definition of faith, but it's not a full definition. And what do I mean by that? So if we were to talk about me, Aaron Glover, we would say that Aaron is a husband. That is true about me. I am a husband. We could talk all about what kind of husband I am, whether I'm good or bad. Emily, don't say anything. Whether I'm good or bad's beside the point. We could talk about that side of me all day, and it would all be true, but that's not the fullness of who I am, is it? No, I'm also a father, I'm also a son, I'm a brother, I'm a friend. So all these things, as we look at faith today, we're going to look at this aspect of faith. So while it's true, it's not the fullness of the definition of faith in Scripture, but we're going to focus in right where this author uh, tells us. So today, as we read that, just kind of keep that in mind. And then we're going to see how God uses faith as the channel that he brings his truth and his blessings to us through. So faith has got a lot of dimensions to it. I'm, I'm going to try to slow down per request I received last week. I, I, I was told last week, very lovingly and kindly, that sometimes I get way too excited and I start running 1,000 miles an hour up here, and I hope you guys are keeping up with me because I'm going as fast as you get so excited about it. But I got told, hey, slow down a little bit. I'm trying to keep up. So that's okay. I say that with all love, but really that's what happens. I get so excited about this stuff. I try to go a thousand miles an hour because I can't wait to get to the next best thing. So I'm going to try to slow down because today it does get, uh, as we're going through this definition, we're going to try to walk through this together. Let's begin reading in Hebrews chapter 11, verses 1 through 7. It says, Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for. "...the conviction of things not seen. For by it, faith, the people of old received their commendation. By faith we understand that the universe was created by the word of God, so that what is seen was not made out of things that are visible." By faith, Abel offered to God a more acceptable sacrifice than Cain, through which he was commended as righteous, God commending him by accepting his gifts. And through his faith, though he died, he still speaks. By faith, Enoch was taken up so that he should not see death. And he was not found because God had taken him. Now before he was taken, he was commended as having pleased God. And without faith, it is impossible to please God. For whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. By faith, Noah, being warned by God concerning events yet unseen, in reverent fear, constructed an ark for the saving of his household. By this, he condemned the world and became an heir of the righteousness that comes by faith. Okay, so we covered a lot of ground there in, in seven verses. We got a definition of faith. We looked at the creation of the world. We talked about Abel, Enoch and then Noah. These are all quick little summaries, so today we're going to walk through each kind of one of those aspects and see, look at faith with those things. We're going to begin with the definition of faith as given right here in verse 1. It is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. As we're looking at faith here, this word, this assurance, I went and looked up all the uh, the, the Greek for these terms, especially with assurance and conviction, we're, we're trying to really understand what faith is. And this word, hypostasis, means a firm foundation. This is what things are built upon. It's a steadfast, resolute confidence and trust. So what he's saying, the author is saying, is that faith, Faith is a firm foundation of the things that we hope for and wait for. What it is, is it's confidence that the future is secure because of God. And because of God, it cannot be shaken. What God has said, and we're looking for, we're hoping for this, we have a firm foundation that that is, okay? Okay? It's the belief that the future promises are real and that as we go towards the future, those promises will come into the present. Faith brings the not yet into the now. It's also the conviction. They're the conviction of things not yet seen. The conviction This word was interesting because this actually is more like something that is, this is how you test or prove something to be true. How many of you remember your formulas in in algebra in high school? Yeah, me neither. But we did them, didn't we? Uh, What is it? A squared plus B. over. Y'all remember Pythagorean theorem and all that stuff? You did it at one point. You did know it at some point. But it is the thing that proves this to be true. That's what this conviction is. It's the means by which it is proven to be. So we take those, those theorems and things in math and we plug in the numbers and we see that it holds up every single time. When we're trying to find out the angles in a triangle, how much do the angles all add up to? 180. You got a triangle, all the angles add up to 180 every single time. You can plug in the numbers, the formula proves itself to be true. That's this same idea here with conviction. This is the means by which something is proven to be true. Faith sees the truth that your eyes cannot see. So clear as mud. Everybody's got it. Everybody understands completely. I know this. I'm telling you, this stuff, the Bible gets deep sometimes. Gets deep in these things. So we've got faith, we've got assurance of things hoped for, conviction of things not seen, which means, well, if I just hope for something that I don't see, that's faith, right? It's just anything I hope for, anything I don't see, as long as I hope for it, oh, if the universe would just do this, it'd be great. That's not faith at all. No, but see, faith is not aimless, not true faith. We can hope and wish for things all day long. But faith is not some aimless, random thing that we assign, oh, I just hope for this. When we're talking about biblical faith, biblical faith always has an object. And that object, the object of biblical faith, is always truth. Always truth. Every time God came and revealed himself, to someone in scripture, he told them something. He told them the truth. And when they believed in and hoped in and looked forward to those things, what God had said, that was true faith. So true biblical faith is not just hoping for things or hoping things go well or just hoping somehow the cosmos allow everything to work out. True faith comes from believing and trusting in God's revealed truth to us. Okay. Following along with this. If, we are, if we're hoping in God, trusting in his promises, we remember this, God's word, always true. And everything he says, he brings to pass. He brings that which is not yet seen into being seen. God's in the business of, of doing that. And the channel he does this through, again, is faith. Faith. But why is this so important? We've got this definition. If we're looking at faith, why is faith so very important? As we read in this next little section, this is how our forefathers and foremothers, our ancestors, this is how they were commended by God. That means that Scripture is God's word, is actually testifying to God's approval of these people. And how did He approve of them? By their faith. If you think about that, if you ever wonder, oh, I, sometimes I wonder if God approves, well, we know because of the gospel, we have faith in Jesus Christ, we are forgiven and accepted and approved of by God because of Jesus. As we're reading these passages of Scripture with these people we're about to get into, we are going to read God's commendation, God's approval specifically of these people. We will read for a fact that God receives and approves these people because of their faith. This is important stuff for us. Again, these aren't perfect people. That's one of the other better parts of Scripture. We get to read about all these giants of the faith. We're like, man, I could never live up to that. And then sometimes we see their sins. And we're like, oh, boy, I'm glad I never did that. The Bible does a good job of showing us the truth, the reality. We'd all like to put on our pretty picture and make everybody think we've got it all together, especially when we get here in church, right? We want everybody to think, oh, it's great. I'm too blessed to be stressed. That's not true. You can be blessed and stressed at the same time. I live it every day. It's okay. But that's the thing. These are real people. They're flawed just like you and me. They're not perfect, but they were faithful. That's what made all the difference. And we're also going to see in in verse 6 and and 7, we're going to see another reason it's important. So they received their commendation, their acceptance, their approval from God. But we're also going to see in a few verses that we read it, that it's impossible to please God without faith. It's impossible. You can do anything on this world that is commanded, And if you do it without faith, it doesn't please God. Do you realize that? You You could give all your money that you earn from your paycheck all to the church, and if you do it without faith, God is not pleased. He doesn't care. It is impossible to please God without faith. That's what the scripture says. If you do anything without faith, you have not pleased God. Faith is that foundation of everything that you do. Faith is how God is pleased. It's impossible to please him without it, but with it, he's fully pleased. Well, that's nice to have. (laughs) You want to know, how do I please God? By faith. We'll get into that today as we see this. And it says, whoever would draw near to him... Whoever seeks him, you want to be close to God, must believe that he exists. The word there is amy, which means that he is. A little bit more than just he exists, it means that God is who he is, that he is who he said he is, that he is God. So if you're going to draw near to God, you've got to believe this is the one true God and that he rewards those who seek him. You read that. He rewards those who seek him. Didn't say he rewards those who are perfect. Didn't say he rewards those who live better than everybody else. It said he rewards those who seek him by faith. And we'll also see as we get into Noah that righteousness comes by faith. We'll do a dive into that later on, but long story short, the only way we're made righteous, we talked about this in one of the first series here. You are made righteous by faith alone and nothing else. The Bible points to this in numerous passages. In the New Testament, Ephesians 2, 8 and 9, Romans 3, 28, Galatians 2, 16, Romans 5, 1, Romans 4, 3, Romans eleven six. 6. Numerous. We could go on and on and on. Those are just some quick ones. Without faith, you cannot please God. So if you have no faith, You remain in the place where God is not pleased with you. You remain a sinner. You remain unpleasing to God. But with faith, God is pleased. And not only is he pleased, but he commends and approves you. And that's the difference. We're going to look at several examples of this. So let's consider, again, we've got our definition of faith. The assurance of things hoped for. The conviction of things not yet Seen by faith, we're looking at um, there in the first couple of verses, there in verse three. By faith, we understand that the it says the universe here in the scripture, but really the word there is, is aeons or eons, it means times, the universe, the ages, forever, all of this time and space. All of this was, was made. By the spoken word of God, by the spoken word of God, so that what is seen is made of what was not seen. The way they worded this, I, the easy way to say it is that the invisible made the visible. Okay? The invisible made the visible visible. We remember when we look back at Genesis 1, in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. God spoke and he said, let there be light. And creation burst into existence instantly. And everything that was made was made by God from his spoken word. God was not visible. He took what was not and he made everything that is. Everything that you know that is concrete, that is physically existent right now came from non-existence. Because it came from the words that God spoke. When we think about this, when we think about, when we talk about that nothing is impossible for God, it's because God has no limit to his power, number one. But number two, God can create anything, anytime he wants, however he feels like it. We see these in the miracles of Christ. God can overcome the the rules of nature and science because he's the one who spoke it into existence in the first place. And the reason I say that to you is there's many of us dealing with things in our life and we look at the situation, the circumstance, and we've labeled it as impossible. We shut the door and started walking on with our life. We got something in our life, and we think it's impossible for God to do. God can't fix this. He can't make it happen. He can't do something. So, you know, I'm just going to shut this part of my life off and walk away from that. I'll believe God about everything else. Everything else God says, I'm going to believe. But this over here is impossible for him to fix. We think that. It happens. But the truth is, is that nothing is impossible for God to change. Nothing is impossible for God to fix. We'll see that over and over as we consider these stories as well. So again, as we consider this, God made the universe simply by speaking. How many of you were there that day? Okay, another quick poll. How many of you believe that? God spoke the world and it came into existence. Raise your hand if you believe that. Well, none of you were there. How do you believe this? By faith. But that right there, as a simple, that might seem like something really simple, but that's a truth that is foundational for your entire worldview and experience in this world. You believe that God created the entire universe by his word. That's the foundation for your entire worldview and the way you deal with everything. That's a very important view in your life. You might think, oh, that's just, that's something I've always known since I was a kid. That is huge. You believe in a God that created everything. There was nothing, he spoke, and then there was everything. You believe in a God who can do anything he wants. You believe in a God who created you and saved you. You believe in that God if you believe that God created this world. Now let's look at some faith in action, okay? As we look at in the Old Testament, we're going to look at a couple of characters uh, between the, the fall of man and before the, the, the flood right here. We are look at some Old Testament characters. And, and I think about this in the Old Testament. We often talk about, so how were people in the Old Testament saved? Common thought that comes to a lot of people's mind is by the law. Number one, that's not true. People were never saved by the law. Galatians tells us that was never the purpose of the law, was to save anyone. But number two, what about the people that lived before the law? The law came with Moses. What about Noah? Noah was long before Moses. How was he saved? He didn't have the law. We look at Cain and Abel. Cain and Abel, that God did not institute the Mosaic sacrificial temple system before Cain and Abel. How were they saved? This is what we're going to look at today. Let's look at, uh, again, long before the law, we're going to look at verse 4 with Abel. It says, by faith. Notice that every one of these verses, they seem to start with by faith, by faith, by faith, by faith, Abel, by faith, Enoch, by faith, Noah. God is making it emphatically clear. It's by faith. If you want to know how this happened, it's by faith. That cannot be overstated enough. It says, by faith, Abel offered a more acceptable sacrifice than Cain. Why was Abel's sacrifice more acceptable? We go back and we look in Genesis chapter 4, if you want to go read the story. You have Abel, who's a shepherd, takes care of the flock, and his brother Cain tilled the field. They brought sacrifices to God. It doesn't say that these were sacrifices for the remissions of sins. It could have just been a free will offering they gave to God. And it says that Cain's sacrifice was disregarded, and Abel's was accepted. Why was it accepted? The author of Hebrews tells us that God declared Abel righteous by receiving his gifts. By faith, Abel's offering was acceptable. That's what the scripture declares to us. And then we look at this, God declared him righteous by receiving his gift. God said, this is, this is good, I receive this, declared Abel righteous because of his faith and though Abel died, we remember his brother. This is one of the first stories we learn in, in Sunday school as kids. His brother gets jealous and kills him. And though he's dead, his faith still testifies to us today. Look at that. Well, that's not only is that amazing when we look at this is how God, our offerings are acceptable to God is by faith. But when I look at this, I also can't help but look see Jesus paralleled in this. We'll jump to the next slide, Rick. Abel points us right to Christ. We have a brother who's a shepherd, number one. Jesus called himself the good shepherd. He goes and he gives a sacrifice to God. God is pleased with his sacrifice. He's put to death by his own kin. And his faith still testifies to us today. As we're reading all these stories in the Old Testament, every time you read a story in the Old Testament, it's not just about the Old Testament. Every one of those stories should be pointing us to look to Jesus. They are pointing us to the fullness of our faith. Remember I said that faith has an object. These things are shadows of what is to come. So when we look in the Old Testament, we see these stories, we should be asking ourselves, how does this point us to Jesus? And with Abel, that's the way it does. Now let's look at... um, at Enoch. So Enoch, Enoch's one of those mysterious people in the Bible. I won't lie. You get a couple of verses about him and then he disappears, literally, off the pages. He's literally there one minute and then gone the next. And we don't really know how this happened or exactly what happened to him other than what Genesis tells us and then what the book of Hebrews records right here. But we, we do know that Enoch walked with God. When we read Genesis chapter 5, it's a few verses, Genesis chapter 5, 21 through 24. There's a couple of verses really just telling us his family lineage. And then it says that Enoch walked with God and then Enoch was no more. God took him. Which, if you're looking for a lengthy explanation on how all that works, I don't know. It's one of those things we have to accept by faith. But we were talking about impossible things earlier right? Impossible. There's no way a man could just be walking on this earth, just living his life so close to God, and all of a sudden he's gone because God took him. That's impossible, right? But if you believe the scriptures, you believe that that has occurred. Nothing is impossible for God. But Enoch was taken before his death, and God declared that he was pleased with Enoch. This is why the following verse says that it's impossible to please God without faith. The author is explaining to us how Enoch pleased God, that he pleased him by faith. What happened? He drew near to God, and he was rewarded. God was pleased, and he lifted him to heaven. Again, can you imagine being God being so pleased with you that one day you're walking, you're walking here on earth, the next thing you know, you're just walking on them streets of gold with God. That'd be pretty cool. That's pretty amazing. I kind of see why God didn't explain to us. I don't think we'd really get it. But the fact is, is that actually happened? When we look at that story, we say, well how does that point us to Jesus then as well? So Enoch, same thing. Enoch points us to Jesus as well, Enoch, just like Jesus, walked closely with God. Jesus was that son who walked fully dependent on his father. Every time people asked him questions, Jesus would say, My father this, my father that. I came to do my father's will. I, st- I say what my father tells me. He walked so closely with his father. And he pleased God. And then after Jesus was resurrected, he was on the earth for 40 days. And God took him from the earth. Same way he did Enoch. God, Jesus ascended into heaven. So as we look at, again, these, these stories, all of these stories of faith, Point us to the object of our faith, the truth of Jesus Christ. Going on to Noah now as well. Looking in verse 7. Noah is, is a good one to look at as well, because Noah is one of those fun stories that we always like to talk about in Sunday school, right? We got the boat with the cute little cardboard cutouts, and we put them all in there. And if, you, if we had the little felt things back in the Sunday school classes, you'd put the felt up on the wall, It's a cute story we think about. But in in actuality, being Noah must have been really tough. If you're Noah, you're you're living, you have faith in God, the Scripture declares that Noah was a righteous man in Genesis 6-9. It's the first time in Scripture any man's declared righteous. Scripture specifically called him a righteous man. Everybody else is living unrighteous, unfaithfully, And God comes to you and tells you of an impending doom. He says, here's what you're going to do. You're going to make a boat that's going to save you and your family. You're going to build it like this. This is how it's going to be. This is how it goes. So old man Noah starts working on his boat. Spends forever working on that. Can you imagine the ridicule that he received from his neighbors and the passerbys? Everybody in town... What's that guy doing over there? Don't worry about him. That's crazy Noah. He don't know what he's doing. That Crazy Noah's building a boat. We live in the desert. He's not even building his boat on the shore. What a fool. Noah probably told everybody, no, no, no. God told me it's going to flood. You're all going to be destroyed. I tell you what, help me build a boat you can hop in too. What a fool that Noah was. He followed the instructions. He built the boat. God sent the animals, if we remember that, which that's a whole a- other aspect of the story, getting all those smelly animals. I can't imagine how, how bad that boat smelled after a few days. You've walked through the zoo before. You, you know the idea. All the animals come in. They get inside the ark. God closes the door to the ark, and then the flood comes. It was by faith that Noah heeded God's warning. There was nothing going on in Noah's life to to make him think that what was coming was that flood. Nothing would make him think that at all. And yet he heeded God's warning, built that boat, gathered his family, gathered everything into it that God said, and then the flood came. And when the flood came, everyone who looked down on him drowned in that. That's not the fun part of the story we like to talk about as kids, but that's the fact of the matter. Everybody else received that judgment, but everyone inside the ark was saved. That was done by faith. When we look at this story, we can't help but see Jesus as well, because Jesus is in fact our ark of salvation. Jesus received specific instructions from his father on what to do, how to do it, what to say. And Jesus always told everybody, again, I come to fulfill the will of my father. I speak what I hear him say. I do what I see him doing. God followed, Jesus followed the father's specific instructions and provided an ark of salvation. So just like everyone in the boat was safe, everyone who is in Christ is safe from the judgment against sin. As we look at all, these, all of these stories, we can see faith after faith after faith after faith. And God records them as being righteous. He records Noah as receiving the righteousness that comes by faith. The assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. So let me ask you this today. Is your foundation firmly rooted in the hope of the gospel? Do you believe God's words even before you see the proof of them in your own life? Do you, when you hold up scripture and you look at those words in scripture, the truth that God has given us, even when you don't see that in your life, do you believe those things? Because that's what faith is. Faith is believing without actually seeing it for yourself. Do you believe God? Do you believe that he is who he says he is? And do you believe that he rewards every single person that comes to him? And you might be thinking, well, I, that doesn't make sense. You're saying all I have to do is come to God in faith, and he receives me, I'm declared righteous, boom, that's it. Yes, yes. Because the same God that spoke light, said let there be light, and spoke the world into existence, the same God that called the world into existence will call you righteous if you come to him by faith. The same God who received Abel's sacrifice The same God who declared him as righteous will declare you as righteous. The same God who lifted Enoch to himself will raise you up on the last day by faith. And the same God that gave the ark of salvation for Noah and his family will bring you into his own family. Into his own ark of salvation by faith alone in his son, Jesus So if we come today, we come to God, we must be those who believe that God is who He said He is and that He rewards everyone that draws near to Him. Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, this morning as we've considered faith, God, I pray at this time we would begin to consider our own faith. That we would see where we have been faithful to you. God, that you would show us if there's anything else that has been faithless. God, we we ask you to reveal to us: have we had our faith in your truth, in you? Or have we just been hoping and having faith in, in good things instead of in you? God, I pray that you will reveal to us this morning. That you would use these inspirations that you've given us from Scripture. As we've looked at Abel and Enoch and Noah had been inspired by their faith, God. That they received your words, that they received your instruction, and by faith they came to you. By faith they made their offerings. By faith they walked with you. And by faith they followed you. so in each and every one of our lives but God I also pray if there's any of us here who have fooled ourselves into thinking we have faith or maybe we've put our faith into something else other than you if we put our faith into religious systems or denominations or or anything else but you and your word and your son Jesus reveal that to us today God, our our righteousness is too important for us to be mistaken about this. So I pray, God, if there's anyone here who has placed their faith in anything but you, in this world, in, in their hopes, in their career, if they place their faith anywhere but in you, God, I pray that you would reveal that to them right now, that your Holy Spirit would go through this room and confirm those who believe in your Son, Jesus convict those who don't. And I pray, Lord, that everyone in this room, by faith, will draw near to you and be rewarded in you, in knowing you and having you. Lord, we love you. We thank you. We pray all this in the name of our Lord, our Savior, and our King Jesus. Amen.